Spags, I tried to get rid of you for this show. I sent you the wrong link. I was ready to go solo, but you managed to weasel your way in here. Yeah, I thought we were doing a best ball breakfast at 2.30 on the East Coast, but no, we are in fact doing splash play. And today you need to tune in because we are doing a draft of NFL draft moves. What are the best fantasy moves? We're both going to pick a top 10. Who's going to get the Jets? Who's going to be stuck with, I don't know, the Bills? We'll find out right after this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend and mine, Pete Overzet. Though, Pete, today, you might not be my friend based on you throwing me immediately under the bus on chat. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Spaggs is uh, notoriously very prompt and on time for these. I, I, I think I am, too, generally yeah. speaking. I, I come Usually in a Usually they're about one minute early, the both of us, I think, each time without fail. Yes, and so I, I always send Spags the StreamYard link, uh, but because I had made two uh, stream links uh, yesterday afternoon, I apparently sent Spags the wrong one, and you were uh, chilling in an, in an old broadcast that had already finished, and I was, I was just blissfully there, like, oh, I guess Pete must not have changed the background yet, la di da, not realizing, eventually figured out that it said ended in the top left corner, and uh, that's where my my baby brain kicked in. I really heroically came over to the correct stream, but we are here, and we are here and excited today, Pete, because I think we're digging deep in the, the concept, the meta concept for an episode uh, kind of thing that we like to do on this show, where we're doing a draft of NFL the all the teams NFL draft moves. So basically, if the Falcons, you're not taking Drake London or Desmond Ritter, you are getting both those in one package. And I'm excited to find a new way to debate the same things that everybody's talked about for the last four days. Yeah. Um, I this was this will be a really interesting draft just because I think we all are feeling this. We 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 manufacture enthusiasm for the draft classes because we have nothing else to do and we're gonna be drafting teams, and so we care about these players, but it's a pretty weak, abysmal class. I think if we look back in hindsight in about five years, this class will not hold up very well compared to some other classes. Um, who knows? We're wrong all the time. Maybe some superstars emerge, but top to bottom, this draft didn't feel super exciting. The story's out on the QBs. The running backs were pretty weak after the top two. Um, we had the run of wide receivers, but then even not that many wide receivers were drafted later. So this draft will be interesting. I almost feel like it's easier to draft the worst ones than it is to draft uh, the best ones, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, so let's uh, let's right now get, if you can, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, whether you're watching on Peach channel or the Splash Play channel does help us out a bunch, helps us get seen by more people. And that is certainly the goal here as we find new ways to talk about football for 12 months a year. That's always the goal here on Splash Play. And also make sure you go over to footballoutsiders.com. Check out the articles. Lots of great draft analysis on there. Obviously, you're going to hear a lot of takes, but I do think our own Mike Tanier, as well as Derek Klassen, did a really great job breaking down all these guys. Uh, Derek's game film things, the breakdowns that he was doing, the articles he was putting together on that. It's really fantastic stuff i think to wrap your head around some of these guys so uh check that stuff out see what they're saying about your favorite team perhaps or or just fantasy relevant players and even edge rushers if you want to dig into the the darker side of, of football uh please go check that out at footballoutsiders.com right now and of course pete you did your first draft this morning uh the best ball mania kicking off a million dollars to the regular season winner as well as some top prizes for the regular formats for best ball but an exciting time over there we're going to do our first one on friday we wanted to do this as a little prep show leading up to it but tell people 
people what you're thinking so far about uh, this prize format that is very unique and actually does reward somebody who maybe gets unlucky down the home stretch. Yeah, I've been kind of seeing people's feedback. Um, I think in general, people are very happy with this structure. The one criticism I've seen that I think is a very fair criticism is the fact that the first place regular season is getting a million as opposed to maybe spreading that million out across, I don't know, the top 100 teams in regular season points. I mean, this is a massive contest, 450,000 plus entries. And, you know, if you have a top 100 team in the regular season, you know, there's a, there's a chance you might make 35 bucks. Um, and so I, I think you could have made an argument that the marketing optics for, you know, a million to regular season weren't as essential as for first and second, and that you could have spread that out. And then I think it would have increased the EV of building really strong regular season teams, which I actually think would have made for a really interesting drafting dynamic, because I do think drafting a team for rounds one through 14 optimized for that or weeks one through 14 is different than optimizing for a team that can put up massive scores weeks 15, 16, and 17. So I kind of wish that that was spread out, but overall, um, how, how can you not be excited about three millionaires getting crowned on underdog? And the one thing they did change too, that's going to actually make things, I think a little bit better is how they did the advancement structure. There's actually a little difference in it this year where the advance rates are a little more manageable in rounds two and three. So we still have the two of 12, but then only one out of 10 to advance to, um, out of round two and one out of 16 to advance out of round three, which is much smaller than last year. Obviously you get the much bigger 470 person final, but, um, these rates to advance, I think feel more manageable than they did last year. I look, I think it's a, some exciting changes all around. Like I can tell you, I, I was talking about my NBA best ball teams a little bit on this show. And like, I was so bummed because the schedule just didn't work out. Some injuries down the stretch made it so much tougher in the playoffs of that. Whereas I think I had one of the best teams for the round one portion advancing there. Like you can now sort of cover your ass with that. Where if you have the Derrick Henry, uh, Henry injury, like last year or whatever equivalent's going to pop up this year, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of them. Like if you made a good team, you'll get a better shot to be rewarded here. And I think your points are all sound. Certainly Pete, I would say it's probably one of the the preeminent best ball voices out there actually talking about how people are feeling about things like prize structures. But I think just the chance to win and have a little bit less of the just getting kind of screwed out down the home stretch. Like to me, that 14 week stretch should matter a lot. Yeah, I, I think it should too. Um, and I, and I, you know, I hear people say, and, and this, this happens with everything, right? Where you look at DraftKings Millie Maker and that, that contest is absurdly top heavy, right? Second place is generally 200,000, you know, a fifth of first place. So to at least get the structure here where we have 2 million to first and a million to second, like, you know, I, I feel like that's a, a more reasonable structure, but again, you're, you're, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, it's, they're trying to balance you know, marketing and growing it. If they just made the first place prize a million again, that kind of feels like stagnation from, from last year. So I get um, what they're going for. I do love the uh, the poetry of having three millionaire makers for best ball uh, mania three and stuff. And I think it's fun. If you don't want to tie up your money, if you don't want a shot, take out a million, there's going to be smaller tournaments. They're going to have puppy tournaments. They're going to have big dogs that have flatter payout structures. You can play the 12 man leagues, grind out your ROI there. But this is for shot taking and a chance to win a million dollars. So you are now officially aligned. Are you throwing, you mentioned it on Friday's show that we're not allowed to draft on your teams this year because you're planning on maxing out. Are you officially announcing your candidacy to max out the BBM three? 
I, I am. I am. I'm officially uh, doing it. I actually named my first team this morning. I put number one in there. I put in parentheses that it was a live stream. So uh, I want to be able to go back through this year and look at my win rates for <laughs> live streams versus slow drafts versus uh, ones I do in the solitude of my own home. One interesting question here from Sags in the chat. Wonder what DraftKings responsibility to underdog. It feels like at a certain point that the DraftKings and Fandles of the world might just seed best ball to underdog and FFPC is also doing a good job in a different kind of style of things. But like, I feel like that's what I think is going to happen, Pete. It's like the opposite of what's happening with the sportsbook industry where DraftKings and Fandles are going to own everything. I feel like they're just going to kind of let underdog have this. And then at some point, maybe, maybe a meeting of the minds will occur and then they'll share that product. Yeah, I, I don't know how... I mean, obviously, I'm beyond biased. I don't even I don't even know if uh, you can say that without laughing. But it is undeniable that Underdog continues to try to innovate and push this and make this a huge, you know, bedrock for for what they're doing over there. In addition to all their pickums and other game types, and you look at the other sites, and they just don't seem that interested in devoting resources. Um, into their best ball product. And that that's the one thing that I think ultimately makes underdog, you know, win out is their UI is so good and they, they do care about best ball and they know that that's uh, buttering their bread in a lot of ways right now. So I love that they're blowing this tournament out. And I think we're going to have a very fun summer too of other supplemental contests popping up like we had with the big dog and like we had with the puppy. So I think it's gonna be a very fun summer. And, you know, based on the enthusiasm, I know we're in a best ball bubble, but the enthusiasm out there uh, seems very high for this contest right now. No, no, I personally have been dragged into this best ball bubble by doing the show with you and, you know, hanging around with guys like the ship chasing crew, of course, like, um, I think it's a lot of fun and I personally would advocate for it. And I actually had a meeting with somebody who's like very sharp and very high up within the industry. I'm not trying to like pat my own back, but just to kind of give you a, a framework of it where they were talking about draftings and FanDuel, like draftings and FanDuel have had about 1.5 to 2 million uniques a month, every month over the course of time, like underdogs actually grown. And I think that's kind of a testament to the community around it. You could see in this show, in our chat, we have a lot of people who are in our chat regularly in these drafts with us. But I personally, I think if you want to get in this year and like now's a really good time to do it, use that promo code splash. If you do it, get the deposit matchup to $100. Uh, but really just check out all Pete's content, check out the show, hang out with us because I think it's a growing industry and it's a lot of fun too. And, and that's the main thing. If you're comfortable, you know, having some money be held by another company for, for, for nine months of your life, uh, then go ahead and get in there. Cause it is actually, you have a good shot to win a million Pete, like people in your audience and your, this community of yours, like I've already won a million dollars and now the chance has gone up threefold. Yeah. And I will say you're obviously tying up your money for the whole season, but you do get really good sweat equity out of it too. being able to log in and check your exposures, check how your teams are doing. And then obviously when you get to week 14 and seeing what teams you need, it, it is a really enjoyable sweat. And, and Nick, even mentioning here and Rudman tweeted about this, that they um, are going to be expanding their kind of player exposure search tools and uh, apparently Nick was able to see a sneak peek in the underdog discord. So I love that they continue to kind of innovate with stuff like this, letting us name our teams last year, I thought was a fun addition as well. So really kind of playing to how we all like to interact with our best ball teams, I, I think is really smart because there is nothing better than, you know, a guy gets injured or a guy gets promoted and you go immediately check your exposure page to see if you're underweight or overweight that player. Yep. So I think they're doing good stuff over there. So again, check it out. Use that promo code splash and hang out with us all off season long. Cause we're going to keep playing drafts. We're going to keep doing drafts on here. Pete's going to be doing a bunch as well. Randomizer will be back soon. So lots of good stuff coming up here. If you are into best ball or just want to get more in, cause you hear us talk about it so much uh, before we get into the NFL draft draft, Pete USFL week three. Did you get, did you get anything in your life from the USFL this weekend? So I didn't. And I also noticed, um, 
even our true non-fake USFL thought leaders were down bad on Twitter. I saw Justin and Cody going through it. Um, they seem dejected. I feel, I feel, I, I shouldn't laugh. Like I, I, we all wanted this to be a thing. I think we all put significant amount of both like literal time and energy into wanting USFL DFS to be a thing. And it's just not happening. It is a downer. There was one big kerfluffle in particular that I saw Cody Main tweeted and Adam Levitan retweeted as well to amplify a little bit uh, for Cody. Of course, the ETR gang doing a great job doing everything uh, football out there. But I would say like Cody's take about that one with Michigan Panthers, basically they tweeted out a running back as an active who ended up being, I think, the top scoring running back on at least one of the slates, if not in the actual tournament winning lineup. And I think it actually was Pat Mayo was one of the guys who chopped up top for it. So like clearly people, if you're paying attention, you can win money in this. But it is shitty. Like if you're getting literal fall information from the team's twitter handle like that's just not something you could do at this point you can see the tweet on the screen from cody main there and reggie corbin is the one who went off transfers it an active roster he ends up playing in the game gets a third carry i think ends up not with 100 rushing yards but pretty close to it pete and that's the kind of shit you just can't get away with when you're a league that you're gonna get that foundation from gamblers and fantasy players we've talked about that a lot on this show and it drives me insane they can't get that right yeah, and it it kind of speaks, and uh, I think it was I think Denny Carter had some good tweets about this too, where it's like we we do not want a, a watered down version of the NFL for these leagues. We want stuff that pushes the envelope, that has a ton of scoring. I mean, I think Denny's take was like, don't even allow field goals or punts. Just like all we care about is offense, all we care about is points scoring. We want to bet on it. We want fast paced, entertaining games, and you give us. Like that's how you hide the talent gap between your players and those of the NFL is with kind of, you know, bending it to a more exciting game. And they just didn't do that. They failed completely. And there, there are versions of this league where you and me are, are watching, you know, eight hours of it over the weekend instead of, you know, just checking the box scores. Like, so I, I think it's really disappointing. And, and like you said, too, the information thing dovetails with that. Again, know your core audience, your most rabid fans care about fantasy. They care about sports betting and information is king for that. And if you're not going to be leaning into that and knowing that's what makes people excited about the sport, then, then you're just going to fail. Yeah. And Eric pointing out too, I was actually wrong because I, I think the first hundred yard rusher for the USFL happened in the game before that uh, Thompson, who's on one of the teams that I've now it's off. It's out of my brain completely, but Eric Gilbert saying Corbin, 133 yards and a touchdown, 20 carries. So that's, that's tough. It's like, you know, that's the best performance I think in USFL running back history, you know, maybe not counting some of the PVR points. So when that guy is being listed as an active, it's just, it's bad form for everybody. And the thing too, is like the games this weekend weren't the best from what I was tracking. I, I did watch mostly the highlights where than the games themselves. Uh, you can see a Kyle Dvorak tweet, Pete, that you're pulling up on the screen. Yeah, he says spring leagues always have the choice between being an absolute garbage impersonation of the NFL or a league of innovation and experiments, and you know which one they will choose. And what I was saying, Denny mentioned, he should be illegal to punt or kick field goals. Like, I mean, it sounds like a hot take, but but seriously, this is, this is what we should be doing with these leagues because no one is watching them for the purity of the game. Yeah. And when we had talked to them, they were pr pretty progressive for my day job. Of course, at Edge Sports and Football Outsiders, we were talking to the USFL about maybe supplying our coach simulation models that help people make um, optimal calls basically in game. So you'll know if it's a fourth and three, you should go for it, basically that kind of thing. Um, and they are very open in that kind of stuff. So it is surprising to me to have those you know kind of talks with people and they say one thing and then ultimately what comes out in the field is different. But um, I think the USFL desperately and we're going to get to the NFL draft stuff right after this. But I think they just need Pete. They need that one viral game. Like they need that game that captures every 
everybody's attention. And it's like, it's some, you know, 38, 35 win come from behind for like, maybe that stallions breakers kind of format where it's two teams that actually have some good players. The Deandre Johnson for the generals could be one of those breakout stars, but I feel like it has to be something like that where it happens on a Saturday where there's nothing going on. And then people are on Twitter are talking about it and everybody feels like they missed something. Maybe they get it in the playoffs or down the home stretch here. But I feel like if they have that, they'll build momentum. If they don't have that, I feel like this could actually be completely dead on the vine. Yeah. Uh, I'm worried about it. I mean, when you have the guys that are spending, you know, hours and hours on projections, combing through news and stuff, and they're feeling like a lack of enthusiasm, you know, you're in trouble. And I know, like, I see it in the Deposit Kingdom Discord, the the Run the Sims Discord, and even the ETR one as well. Like, there obviously are people still having fun with this, and and I get it. It's DFS and it's football, but but man, the the prize pools continue to shrink. Um, it wasn't worth DraftKings hassle from the beginning. It seemed like they were just kind of tossing a bone to us DFS DGENs a little bit. And so, yeah, I think it's concerning. And I guess now the other big storyline, we talked about this when the league was starting. I mean, XFL is on track to be here next year. And I think we all agree there's barely room for one, much less two of these. If USFL doesn't really rethink through its strategy, I do think XFL will gobble them up because XFL has already been has proven that they're willing to be, you know, more aggressive with kind of tweaking the gameplay to make it more interesting. Yeah. And also the XFL already getting coverage on ESPN because of the rocks kind of celebrity cachet. And I think that's something if that relationship is there, like you could see with the UFC, like I know we have a lot of MMA fans and in, in the chat or, you know, in general who watch the show, like, UFC is much bigger because of having that ESPN promotion and, you know, getting back in the mix when they were out of their good graces for a while. Now, because ESPN plus is putting on pay-per-views, like they get promoted a lot more. Their guys are and gals are bigger stars as a result. That's an important part of this process too. And I think Fox, you know, just kind of dropped the ball. Um, NBC too, I think was not quite as motivated. Like there's a lot of stuff there. that seems like it just didn't uh, results in things rowing the right direction, but I hope it works out well. I hope there are some good games down the home stretch. All right, Pete, let's talk, let's talk this NFL draft draft. Are we on board with this, by the way, the naming of it as NFL draft? draft draft because i couldn't think of a way to to sell this the right way but i love the concept so much yeah uh nfl draft draft is it's awful for seo but it's a fun and good name (laughs) so so like i think we need to talk about the strategy a little bit for this one because as we talked about you know we're basically drafting what the teams did on draft day or draft weekend rather so you get the atlanta falcons you get the drake london pickup you get also the desmond ritter pickup if you draft the eagles you do get aj brown if you draft the titans you get the malik willis parts you get the Traylon burks parts or Traylon burks parts but you also lose aj brown so you kind of have to weigh that New Orleans Saints, Pete, another team as well that just took one guy. So, like, how do you value Chris Olave versus, like, a team that had, like, a Jets? Like, I think it's, there's a lot of things we could do here, and I do hope the chat will tell us who won at the end of this. Yeah, the way I'm kind of framing it, obviously, we're we're just focusing on skill position players, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. And I'm thinking, like, the prism I'm using is, like, what team became a much more fun or interesting fantasy offense and or and i think this kind of pertains to the qbs because a lot of these guys probably aren't going to be starters outside of maybe even picket but just have the potential by their moves to be a more interesting fantasy offense maybe in year two or when they turn the keys over to that quarterback so i'm not going to like discount the ritter and, and willis picks just because they might not start right away like i'm thinking in terms of like ceiling outcomes of if this stuff plays out, who took the biggest leap as a fantasy offense? 
And I will say, here's how sick I was doing over the weekend with this, where I I genuinely was excited by this draft. Maybe it was just because I was paying more attention. We had a lot of great people on uh, to talk. Certainly doing the ship chasing stream always gets me more excited for some of these guys. But like I was just watching highlights of every player on ESPN like afterwards. And that's one thing too that no site's done, Pete, that I think somebody needs to do is like have one like game film, like whatever kind of hub where you have your guy, like you know, a Josh Norris, a Derek Class in an FL, like one of these good game tape kind of breakdown guys, and just have them give like a one paragraph right up along with game film that you can watch of all these guys like a highlight reel of all the players in one place and i feel like people like us would watch that every time like you make sky more clips and he's the biggest bust of the draft i think we can already say biggest bust of the get out of here <laughs> just the perfect landing spot uh pat corain he's he's gone two for three on his prophecy we did change our ship chasing twitter account to chief chasing a while back pat had a tweet where he said rojo visca and sky to the chiefs one time two down one to go, biscuit of the Chiefs, and ship chasing rules the world. I mean, let's not sleep on the fact, Pete, that I did in fact come on ship chasing, was roundly mocked for saying the Jets would take Brees Hall, said it on this show too, and where did Brees Hall go? The New York Jets. We should we should pull this clip up, actually, Spags, uh, okay. because this this was a fun moment, and, and you've had now back-to-back appearances on ship chasing where you have called out um, an unpopular take that ended up coming to fruition. It was the Josh Reynolds Thanksgiving show was the last one, right? Yes, that was it. So every time I go on there, I make the best calls here. Though I did back this one out on Splash Play too, but it's nice to be in a room full of very sharp people, say something that nobody believes in, and then let's see what comes out of it. No, no. Hmm. They, they're they taking some boring defense. Hang on, let me start it from the top because we missed it. Oops, here we go. You think the Jets take Pickens here? No, no, they they're taking some boring defensive player who they think fell too far. I'm sure. What if they took Brees Hall? He could be the Thunder. They already Thunder they already drafted. They got Michael Carter. They already got the Thunder. Lightning. Davis disagrees <laughs> right away. See, I think Thunder. I think Ty I think Ty Johnson's the Lightning. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Ty Johnson's gonna be Tevin Coleman's the Lightning. Is Tevin Coleman uh, still there? Corrine, I think they resigned him, didn't they? Correct. Yeah, they you guys. All talking about Kevin Coleman, talking about Ty Johnson. And here, one of us sees through it all. And you can see the wheels spitting in my head, too. Like, who can the Jets take? Brees Hall. And that's that's the kind of football mind that one day is going to get me in a front office. I think so. I think so. You are, you're, you're turning into an Oracle. Um, dare I say, uh, maybe, uh, we'll get to bust out our crystal ball here. Uh, you waste all your crystal ball picks in the crystal ball segment and you do your actual crystal ball on ship chasing. Apparently. I think it's honestly, I just love doing that show. We talk a lot on the show. Obviously Pete, if, if you're watching this show, you're probably watching ship chasing, but always fun doing the show with Gretch. Corrine is also so sharp. And, um, and that particular group of guys, like it was interesting, like an eclectic group, definitely more data minds in there. And then you have Davis just hot, take it his way through. I love doing shows with Davis because he is unabashed, like unashamed to be wrong. And, and that's, that's a beautiful thing sometimes. I, uh, I'm getting, I'm going to get a clip made of Davis's Lynn Swan comp reaction. Cause that ended up being one of my favorite parts. Like they ended up comparing Garrett Wilson on the stream to, uh, to Lynn Swan and Davis just lost his mind. Uh, it was a very fun moment. All right, let's get into this NFL draft drafting. Guys, hit the like button whether you're watching live or after the fact. We helped uh, helps us out a bunch, and we appreciate it a bunch. And that's really what uh, we're going for here. The community thing is what we're all about. Uh, Pete, but I, I wouldn't be doing my job if I weren't being a class act, allowing you to have the 101 here in our draft draft. We are both going to pick 10 teams, I presume, in snake draft order, or I guess is that about right? Um, Yeah, because I, I do think, I do think the Jets are the clear 101. So I'll yep. I'll, I'll go 101 and I'll let you um I'll let you double tap. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, the Jets, they get Garrett Wilson, who I want to say before kind of the Drake London and Jamison Williams steam was kind of the consensus. Number one wide receiver, it does seem like he kind of settled there in the top two or three, but regardless, um, one of the best wide receiver prospects. And then they get Brees Hall. And, you know, thinking about this offense, I wrote up in the fantasy newsletter today, like if there was a candidate to be this year's Bengals, which is essentially, you know, a sophomore quarterback taking a leap and you loading up with offensive firepower. I mean, the Jets are that candidate. And I know it seems hard to believe the Bills are obviously uh, make for a very tough division. The, the Pats on the come up with Mac Jones as well. Uh, Dolphins, you know, loading up like the division is tougher, but this is going to be a very fun fantasy offense. We, you now have Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Corey Davis is perfectly suited to be a solid wide receiver. Three Brees Hall could immediately be a top five, six back in the league. I think this offense is going to be very fun for fantasy this year. No, I'm fully with you on this one. I think they are, as you said, the obvious 101. Uh, Brees Hall, a guy that gets some Jonathan Taylor comps, certainly a patient runner, a guy that uh, not great in pass blocking, but that's where you'll probably see uh, still some value from Michael Carter come in the past game. But I love what they did here. Garrett Wilson, I think, is in a really good fantasy situation as well. We saw him get good production alongside another, actually two alpha receivers, I guess, in that offense last year. But you know, certainly can be productive, I think, with other guys taking target share away, as we saw with Olave as a teammate last year. But this spot, to me, I feel like Garrett Wilson, I, I think I feel really good about him. And there's some sneakier picks out there, Pete, but I feel like the Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, like you're now giving Zach Wilson also like no room to fail, really. And if he does fail, you'll know he's not your guy. And I think that's also a win here. And, and Rucker, too, also a pretty good tight end prospect. Like they got Zach Wilson everything he should need. And if he fails, like we'll know it's on him. Yeah. And that's kind of the strategy some of these teams are taking. I don't know if they deserve a top, top pick, but that's what the Lions signaled to us with Jared Goff. They're basically like, we are going to load up and surround him with weapons. And I don't think that experiment's going to work out for them, maybe how they hoped, but at least they're making a bet. You basically have to decide, we keep taking stabs looking for our franchise quarterback, or we surround them with the most, most possible weaponry. And uh, I think it's a viable route as well. All right, so I'm going to get two picks in a row here, and I'm going to go, Pete, uh, to a team that I think you can make the case either way for them being a hit or being a team that lost a little too much talent. But I think the Tennessee Titans actually rebuilt really well here, so I'm going to take them as the second overall pick, adding Traylon Burks, adding Kyle Phillips as well, kind of an Adam Humphreys type receiver out of UCLA. I'm Malik Willis. We've talked a lot on this show, a guy that I liked a lot. Asan Haskins, too, I think also a guy that could take some pressure off of Derrick Henry if the, the curse of the 370 touches or whatever is one of those things that continues to bite him i think haskins could actually be pretty productive similar big back kind of what you know again watching some of that espn game film i thought haskins looked a little bit like a, a combo to me of deonta foreman with dontrell hilliard if we're going to compare it to the same team last year and that appeals to me as somebody who could take some pressure off of derrick henry so if you're going to lose an aj brown i think it's never going to be a great thing but burks i think sold me a little bit more i think Pickens would have been equally interesting to me. Uh, Drake London, I think, would have been more appealing to me in this spot, Pete. But I like the Titans a lot. Malik Willis being there, too. Like, that could be huge if Ryan Tannehill you know, regresses or gets hurt or whatever. And I think he could be electric out there. And I think they have the potential to be a really fun team. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they are, I think they would have probably have been my third or fourth, but they're, they're right up there. I, I was very impressed with what they did. And I, you know, I think you could argue whether they should have tried to take one more run at it with Tannehill, AJ Brown, and Henry. Um, but AFC so damn competitive. I like this kind of retool slash rebuild on the fly. 
And now I'm curious where this one ranks for you, but I'm going to go to the NFC South and I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons with the first pick of the second round here. I think I see what the Falcons are doing. And, you know, it's, I do like to read the tea leaves here, which is, you know, how I ended up on the Brees Hall take, but also how I ended up on some many incorrect takes over the course of this show's history. But the Falcons, I think what they're just doing is are getting big dudes. Like that's sort of what it looks like is uh, Drake London, a ba- former basketball player who of some note, a guy who's like six, four, six, five, depending on the measurements we're looking at, can catch a lot of contested balls. Desmond Ritter, if you look at his highlight reel, it's pretty much all contested balls in a way that, maybe gives you some cause for concern, but if you're throwing to Kyle Pitts, you're throwing to Drake London, you're probably going to be doing pretty well. Also thought they got pretty good value on Tyler Algay or somebody who I think is leading to the unfortunate release of one, the great Mike Davis. We'll see where he ends up as the RB three and actually ends up good next year somehow through sheer force of will. But I feel like the Falcons Pete got a lot of good players here and, and you know, the attention is going to go to the NFC South, other teams and, and you know, maybe what the Panthers didn't do what the saints did with their trade, but I love the moves for the Falcons. Like I see what they're doing here. And I think, going just pure size is an interesting way to win offensively. Yeah, that I think they would have been um probably my 102 and you kind of scooped the the meta for those those two picks which was teams that got these high upside quarterbacks very cheap. You know, there I I was I was completely wrong on this. I thought when the draft happened that some of these teams would get FOMO and they'd trade up and they'd lock up these QBs in the back end of round one. That didn't happen. These teams were patient. And now in Ritter and Malik Willis, you're getting really high upside guys at uh, a pretty cheap cost. And then Drake London right up there at the top. Um, I, to me, I think those three are the clear three winners of this draft for the fantasy perspective, the Jets, the Titans, and the Falcons. So, uh, yeah, can't can't complain there. Um, I think it starts to get a little trickier now. Um, I don't think there's some slam dunk. So I'm going to go the opposite way of the Titans, and even though they didn't draft anyone, because we are including A.J. Brown, who I think you can say is the most talented player on any of these cards that we're showing today. Obviously not a rookie, but... They were willing to pay him and they used that ammo to get him. We know how much the Eagles have struggled to draft good wide receivers. The Justin Jefferson pass for Rager has haunted the franchise. And I think they undid it here. And I think I'm glad we're including him in this exercise because they did use their ammo for that. And, uh, and yeah, I think they were a big, a big winner here, even though they're going to have to pay from a contract perspective to get a known commodity in AJ Brown and really build around Hurts is, uh, I think, commendable. Yeah, one of the best young receivers in the league, getting him in and giving, again, Jalen Hurts, it's show and prove time. You now have all the weapons here. What are you going to do with it? I think I'm, I'm with you on that one. And you could have made the case. This is also where it got a little tough, too, is like, should the Dolphins getting Tyreek Hill have been included? But I'm only including moves that happened in the the weekend of the NFL draft. I feel like that's the only way to be fair, Pete. But if you are going to go by that metric, I feel like A.J. Brown, uh, the best wide receiver who moved and probably the best wide receiver who went on any roster, including the draftees. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, now to, to go into the season with AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, who I do think Devonta Smith is, you know, he could, I think he's good enough to be your number one wide receiver, but man, Devonta Smith is your number two wide receiver. I think that's where you're in, in really good shape along with Goddard. So yeah, I'm excited about this offense and I'll stay on brand. Like you took the two, uh, upside rookie QBs and I'll take the two stud wide receivers that were traded. And I'll say the Cardinals here. Um, were a, a pretty big winner here, landing Marquise Brown. I think he fits stylistically 
with what they want to do very well. It gives them, you know, these players that have specific roles, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be, you know, your alpha wide receiver on the outside when contested catches Rondell Moore underneath. And then you got Marquise Brown um, able to stretch the defense and his route tree was kind of expanding already last year. And I think he's a pretty dynamic guy that will fit well with them. And I think similar to the Eagles, the trajectory of the Cardinals, it makes sense to kind of, rip out the uncertainty of a wide receiver prospect here and instead get a, a known commodity in Marquise Brown. And then they also add Trey McBride, who was, um, you know, more or less the unanimous tight end one in this class. They did sign Zach Ertz, which kind of makes the pick a little weird, but Zach Ertz is uh, pretty long in the two. So I, I like this this draft for them getting a, a couple more weapons here for for Kyler Murray. Yeah, I would agree. I think the Cardinals did a good job and they were a team that I was considering. And I just went more with the, the youth angle, but we talked about it on Friday's show. Like I think Marquise Brown is going to do everything Christian Kirk did and probably do it a little better. He's also playing for a contract, which when you see the contract, the wide receivers are getting this year. It certainly doesn't seem like it's crazy that that could certainly be a motivi- uh, motivator for him. And, and also, you know, playing with his college teammate and Kyler Murray, I think is a positive. And I also, the Trey McBride take, like, I think is really good too. Like he was the top tight end on the board on pretty much every board out there. Cause he can block. He can also run routes like he's going to learn from Zach Ertz who's also been good and made a career out of that and then you replace Chase Edmonds with Ingram as well who's not great I don't think but still you know another good USC running back in the way a lot of these guys are where maybe if you fall in love with them you can talk yourself into him a lot like uh, like Ronald Jones has for a lot of people out there but I agree Pete this is a really good draft and I'm not gonna begrudge you any of your Cardinals and I guess you think they're better now than they were before is that is that a reflection of that yeah, I mean, it's this is a hard question for me because I am a Christian Kirk truther, and uh, <laughs> I think he's good. Um, you know, to me, the the big question, I remember when I, I was actually kind of playing the other side of this coin when we first talked about um, the trade, I believe it was on Friday, in that I didn't know if it changed a lot for Marquise Brown's fantasy value. But to me, that that doesn't change the fact that this is a great addition for, for the Cardinals. I, I just kind of think Marquise Brown is who Marquise, Marquise Brown is and my big hope. And the whole thing with the Cardinals is can Cliff get more creative with this playbook? Can he get his best playmakers the ball? And there's a lot of reason to be suspect about that, just how he's operated in the past. But I don't think you can spin this as a, as a bad move for the Cardinals. All right, so let's go back to the NFC East for, for mine, Pete, and you are not going to agree with this one. And a lot of you out there are going to be perplexed. I'm intrigued by what the Washington Commanders did uh, with getting Jahan Dotson, who I think was a little bit of an overdraft, but a guy that I thought the Jameson Crowder comp seemed pretty sound, a guy with, like Jameson Crowder with more burst, and also a guy who like seemed like his teammates really liked in college, which I'm, you know, that's me talking out my ass entirely. But you watch all the clips of him, it's always like him getting a long touchdown and his teammates going absolutely ape shit. And, you know, that matters enough to me in the, the context of uh, we've now taken all the good teams, now we have to dig a little deeper. But for the Commanders too, like, Brian Robinson's a hammer. Like, this is bad for Antonio Gibson's stock, I think, because he is a big back who I think they're going to want to feed the ball to in close range. And then, Pete, I don't know. We took Sam Howell in one draft, and I think we never talked about him again after that. But he is, like, what I would be if I were a quarterback, where, like, A, you know, a little schlubby. I think we can all admit that for Sam Howell. But, B, like, he just fucking waits the pocket and just throws it 50 yards downfield and hopes it works out. And I I like what Sam Howell's doing. I think they drafted, like, a good core for the offense. And if they can get anything out of Carson Wentz or Wentz gets hurt right away and Howell comes in, I feel like this could be a feel-good story kind of team. Sam Howell does look like a guy who reads Barstool, just like a big <laughs> time Barstool fan. <laughs> he honestly would have been a part of my take intern in another life. Yeah. 
Uh, I like how you see your you see when you said you see yourself in Sam. Oh, I didn't know you literally saw yourself. In him. You guys do kind of look alike. like he, honestly, he looks like he's not in good shape. Like he looks like a rec league flag football quarterback. Also, if you pull up, um, I don't know if you saw the outfit he had in the ESPN NFL draft like uh, broadcast, but if you search Sam Howell outfits, you might find some fun looks because he dresses like Tyler Hero, kind of like in that way where it's like. Oh, you don't like you're the like you're not. You shouldn't be wearing that, <laughs> Mister. Yeah, at all. Kind of, kind of little heat check on the on the outfits. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, all all deep balls though. Like I think I saw him referred to as a YOLO thrower. Which, like, if you're gonna have a YOLO thrower, throwing it's Terry McLaurin, throwing some of these guys. Like, I think there's a lot of ways for him to succeed, and it just takes Carson Wentz failing, which isn't asking a lot. Yeah, I again, I I think all of these teams that you know one of the interesting things is we all agreed this quarterback class was bad and the NFL drafted accordingly. That said, all the teams we kind of wanted to draft a QB or we thought had needs ended up doing it, right? I mean, Marcus Mariota isn't a locked and loaded guy. You add Ritter. Tannehill's contract gets easy to get out from under next year and you're rebuilding. You grab Willis. You know, the the Panthers take Corral. And then the Commanders, you know, Carson Wentz, he's, he's a bridge guy. He's not a guy you're building around long-term. Take stabs on Sam Howell. So I actually think these landing spots are actually fairly attractive. Like if any of these guys, these top four to five quarterbacks are starting by the end of the season, that wouldn't be a shocker to me. So I got one more pick here, Pete, and I'm going to take a guy that honestly you could have made the case. This probably should have gone above uh, the Washington commanders, but I wanted to throw in one hot take out there and, and also make fun of Sam Howell. I'm going to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers next. I do think I don't like Kenny Pickett. I think Malik Willis would have been a lot more fun. I think Desmond Ritter as well probably would have been more fun and also you know just a, a better, bigger bodied guy who could do stuff. Kenny Pickett's going to give them adequate ball. They also did take uh, Chris Alatacoon at the end of the draft as like another developmental QB. So I guess if you say that Pickett completely fails, maybe they get him to get somewhere but i also really like george pickens like he is a big body dude to me he's as good as Traylon burks and just didn't get the steam up the board for whatever reason but also calvin austin another good route runner guy who can replace those juju targets that were perfectly okay last year but i think calvin austin might be able to do a little more after the catch like i know it's easy to make fun of Pickett. we did it a lot on this show pete but i feel like the steelers actually got pretty good prospects here and definitely got a money the target shares but i think for a gpp passing team like i feel like the steelers are actually in a pretty good spot yeah, I thought Pickens was a was a nice pick for them. I mean, they're just absolutely loaded uh, at wide receiver. And, you know, Kenny Pickett is kind of, you know, in a Jared Goff type situation, right? Where all the pieces around him, like Najee as your DeAndre Swift, you have uh, Fryermuth as your Hawkinson, and you have a sick, you know, three wide uh, wide receiver core there um, with, with Pickens, Claypool, and Deontay Johnson. So yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be put in a position to succeed. You can't complain about your weapons if you're Kenny Pickett. All right, Pete, we are in round four and you get two picks in a row. So who are you going to take? Yeah. So I am, you know, I just mentioned the lions and I do think even though they didn't have, you know, a massive amount of players they added, I do think that the that Jamison Williams could end up being the best wide receiver in this class. A lot of, you know, the metrics and the things we look at for predicting future success point to Jamison Williams being a superstar. And the Lions certainly thought so, you know, trading up to get him in this in this deep wide receiver class. And I think it's it's very interesting from a team perspective now to round him out with Amon Ross St. Brown, who had a great year last year. They bring in DJ Chark, 
Um, they now are very, very explosive. And I mentioned Swift and Hawkinson. So I think this move to me, um, even though it's just Jamison Williams, sorry, James Mitchell, uh, represents them kind of pushing their chips all in on, on what this offense can be. And sure, their defense is bad. Sure, Jared Goff probably isn't capable of leading you to a Super Bowl. But as far as like what this draft, the spirit of this draft is, is is creating fun fantasy offenses. And now defenses legitimately have weapons in all areas of the field when facing the lines that they have to worry about. Um, also, it is worth pointing out that I think there's a typo on the picture there. We did have our graphics team do a great job with the stuff, but I think um, it is, in fact, Jameson Williams is a wide receiver. James Mitchell is a tight end, so just something to keep in mind in case you are, uh, for some reason, building your ADPs off of our screen shares here. Uh, that's one to correct, but I'm with you overall. Like I think this also kind of fits the thesis that we've been talking about with some of these guys. Is like Give the QB all the weapons you could possibly get and see what they can do. Jameson Williams is a deep ball threat that if Jared Goff can't get the ball to him or can't get the ball to him in space and can't get the most out of him, like that's going to be on Jared Goff by quite a bit. And I think uh, Jameson Williams apparently thinks he's going to be back in time for training camp, which seems crazy coming off of his ACL injury. But still, if that's what he's saying publicly, you got to think he's got to have some confidence and maybe he's not ready to go full go by training camp. But if he can get out there for week one and at least be out there and practice building that rapport with Jared Goff, like it's a really interesting construction here. And and I think too, uh, Pete, do you remember if TJ Hawkinson signed an extension at some point? Is he like under a long-term deal? I want to say he's still under his rookie contract. Because I feel like James Mitchell was coming off of an injury, and he was, I think, going to be a better graded tight end prospect overall. It wouldn't shock me if they're drafting him as maybe a potential replacement for Hawkinson. And yeah, Hawkinson's deal ends in 2023, and I think his bonuses come off too. So I guess it could be shit or get off the pot time for, for Hawkinson next year. But I think in that perspective, like drafting another big body tight end who maybe could be a replacement, or at least you see what you get there. Like, I think they made a good move here. So I think the pick overall by you is pretty solid. All right. Um, it is now back to you for picks or no, I have, a, I have one, one more pick yet. here on the double. Okay. So yeah, we're getting at the point in the draft where we're just basically having to get carried by, you know, the best player that these teams took. And I'm going to go ahead. And uh, I know you try to throw shade on sky Moore. I am going to say the chiefs here. Sky Moore was a guy that had been connected to the chiefs a lot during the pre-draft process. They obviously needed to backfill around losing, Tyree kill. They grabbed Juju Smith Schuster, uh, in free agency and then add sky Moore. And now all of a sudden, I think if sky Moore is who we think he can be that all of a sudden, you know, between Juju sky Moore and Kelsey, that you're back to having a pretty, uh, explosive offensive attack. And I just don't think we, we can discount. We have seen Patrick Mahomes make Nicole Hardman look like a superstar. We've seen him make Demarcus Robinson look very good at times. Byron Pringle look really good. So Sky Moore, who I think is more talented than all three of those guys I just mentioned, comes in and now gets Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. I think that's very interesting for fantasy. And I think uh, the Chiefs will remain a top offense in the league. And, and Sky Moore is a prime candidate to be a big part of that. I think you're completely right about everything you're saying. The one thing I would push back on is like, there's enough short guys who are good making contested catches like after him, like even Wandale Robinson's a guy that I don't, I don't even know if we're going to draft the giants here today, but I feel like he's a little too small. Like I think sky Moore's listed at six feet and Robinson's at like five, eight, but like still like Robinson got into space more and got behind guys more in an sec offense. You know, then sky Moore is going against lesser competition and stuff like that worries me. I think Patrick Mahomes can make a star out of anybody. I think there's also some, um, some RPO stuff with sky Moore where he was really good uh, running slants and RPOs. The chiefs run a lot more RPO than, 
I think people normally would think of. So that's one of those things that I've seen football heads talking about. But I just feel like if you want a short guy, you can get into space. Like there are other picks that he had there. And I would rather have George Pickens. Like I think Pickens was a beast. And if he put him in that Chiefs offense, like I think he's Devontae Adams in that Chiefs offense. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like Pickens too. I think it was kind of just, you know, picking picking your flavor of of wide receiver. And, uh, you know, Sky Moore, again, when you look at the, his prospect profile and what he did in college, um, everything points to him just being a rock solid wide receiver. So my, my guess is I wonder if they thought Sky Moore was like a, a safer pick that he had a higher, higher floor. Um, mm-hmm. and Pickens was kind of more of a big cut, but also a big miss potential guy. I don't know. I think either would have been good, but I have, uh, I have no problem with the Sky Moore selection. No, I think that's that's a fair way to look at it, too. Definitely a, a solid floor player and a guy who could probably rack up some targets if you are in a PPR format, uh, if you see him getting those positive training camp notes. Um, I am going to be back on the clock here, and I, I don't know if this is going to be controversial, but I'm actually going to take go to the NFC North. I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers. I think Christian Watson is the kind of dude that's going to be really good, and if Aaron Rodgers is feeding him the ball and he looks like he did against much lesser competition, I think that's the one ding for him. But a guy who picked up a lot of steam down the stretch. The other receivers, I feel like they just took their shots. Guys like Dubs, I don't really know. I didn't see enough of him. Uh, Samori Torre, I didn't see any of, but I feel like they took their shots at receiver and still, you know, just really lottery tickets at this point. Like, who's Aaron Rodgers going to bond to like I don't think that coming in people would have predicted him to have Alan Lazard uh, <laughs> I am not lucky to be thrown off the stream I Pete I think we need to welcome contrarian takes about Sky Moore here because too much universal love is going his way and I think there are some holes to poke no I mean it's never gone wrong when ship chasing has planted its flag of approval on these players two years ago it was LaVisca last year it was Rondell Moore and I mean we have a you know a perfect track record that no one should ever question that is right. And just like me throwing out hot takes on ship chasing as well, I guess it just brings out the best of everybody. But I would say the Packers, though, like I just think Watson's a really nice player. I like what I've seen so far. I think Aaron Rodgers could make him a star. And I think that's something, too, that everybody was like really on Twitter beating up, at, you know, the Packers and going, oh, they're just haha, drafted defensive players. And, and then people making jokes, too, that maybe Aaron Rodgers is into some sort of fin dom thing and he just likes being uh, not giving good receivers. But I think there is an arrogance to Aaron Rodgers where he thinks he can make one of these guys a star. Aaron Rodgers did, you know, lead the league in, in terms of QB DVOA play according to football outsiders last year. So he's generating the most value over ad- average when adjusting for the defenses and all that. Like if anybody can make Christian Watson a star coming out of a small school, I think it's Aaron Rodgers. And and I think Pete, this could also blow up completely in my face, but like I like the pick and I like trying to get more out of this draft capital rather than just, you know, going with all the first round gold rush that everybody else is doing. Yeah. Uh I think that makes sense. Who's your one eleven? My 111 is actually going to be, so I don't know the confidence level I have with this one, but the Indianapolis Colts, I do like them adding Alec Pierce, uh, Jelani Woods, also an interesting tight end prospect. I don't get why they added another tight end, but I guess this guy's more of a blocker, Andrew Ogletree. But the Colts, I felt like adding Alec Pierce, a guy that wasn't talked about as a lot as, as much on some of these shows, certainly wasn't as hyped up as a Traylon Burks or a George Pickens, but does have... And it goes beyond just him being kind of lanky and white. Pete, he has some Cooper cup vibes does Alec Pierce. And I feel like overall, like that's the kind of play that could actually, you know, lead to Matt Ryan getting the most out of this guy too, taking a little pressure off of Michael Pittman. Like I think Alec Pierce is going to be better because of Matt Ryan and being in this offense, having Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Like, I think they did a good job getting some talent that uh, wasn't really as hyped as some of the other guys we've talked about so far, Pete. Here's the problem with Alec Pierce, who seems like a, a nice guy, Seems like he loves loading up, pardon my take, uh, every morning before he goes out on a jog. But they took him one pick before Sky Moore. 
and uh, you can't you can't take Alec Pierce before Sky Moore. So that's my gripe. I mean, the Colts, I, I think, who are you backing in this race where if the Colts, I think, if anything, really drawing a line in the sand to say that Alec Pierce is directly better than Sky Moore. And I would agree. He's a bigger body dude, you know, outside receiver. Spags, you want to make a, should we get a little classic Pete and Spags bet? $100 more fantasy points year one, Alec Pierce or Sky Moore? I get, I, yeah, I'll take it. Yes. Okay, <laughs> time. Shaking hands, Alec Pierce versus Sky. I didn't, I didn't expect this one to be a bet that was going to come my way, Pete. But I think, I think Alec Pierce could be good in this offense. Uh, I love it. Yeah. The, the problem, even if, even if they are the exact same player from a talent perspective, one has the dust ball Matt Ryan throwing to him, and the other has probably the greatest quarterback to ever play the game throwing to him. So, GG specs. I mean, it's going to be fun when Mark Mark Hesvaldis Scantling is running down the field like a gazelle time and time again as Sky Moore watches limply pass blocking from the slot. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> MBS is not cucking Sky Moore. Sky is the one who knocks. Thank you, Spags. I made note of that bet. $100. Add that to my link at that. Eric says Spags funding for BBM3 drafts. Repeat. I appreciate that. Well, the good news is you won't know that I'm paying for them until another. <laughs> I'm getting to hold the money. We're both getting to hold the money for another nine months. That's right. We should probably escrow it somewhere, you know, just uh, to be sure. Um, yeah. How many how many rounds are we going with this? I think we're going to go to 10. We we said top 10, so we got to go to 10. Well, so we've had, we've done 11 picks. Right. So we're I think we're in round six right now for you, and you would take six and seven. And, then, you know, we're going to have less to say here down the home stretch. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is getting a little thin. I will do. Um, I will go ahead and do the Saints. Um, you know, Chris Olave wasn't one of my you know favorite players uh, as far as the the wide receivers at the top as a four year guy. I'm always a little more skeptical of those guys. Um, but he fits a clear need. The Saints uh, were in desperate need for more playmakers around Jameis, and if the team you know, finally allows Jameis to cook a little bit, throw the ball downfield. I can certainly see Chris Olave being an upgrade on what we wanted, you know, Marquez Wilson or sorry, Marquez Callaway to be in some of the other, you know, dust balls they've cycled through in that offense. So if Chris Olave is good, I think the, I think there's room for him to really succeed in, in year one um, with Michael Thomas drawing attention hopefully that actually bears out and then chris olave should have lots of single coverage looks where he can run by people and uh and get loose for some touchdowns so i think um the saints needed a wide receiver i'm glad they addressed it here early and uh, i think they're worthy of of being the 12th overall pick in this draft yeah i think the issue with taking the saints at all in this draft i mean obviously you got to take them at some point because olave is a top level talent they traded up for for a reason but like there's not enough volume to feel like i think this is a game-changing situation but olave the one thing i did see a lot graded out about him the will fuller comps talked about a little bit on friday's show and on chip chasing and also the fact that like he's really good at kind of uh like aggressively sneaky route running where he'll make a big cut but the you know defensive back won't be there on turf that's gonna be something that's gonna help him out even more so i think he has a play is pretty interesting it's just a matter of what's his offense gonna be and and just I'm just not enough players here. We wanted uh, Pete. I was targeting the ones with five players because if one of those players hits, like if Matt Corral's good or whatever, Sam Howell's good, like then you basically won because like that one player is worth taking the other four shitheads. Well, you just teed me up for my next pick, and I, I am going to take Matt Corral here. I know they the Panthers only added uh, one guy here uh, in this draft from a fantasy perspective, Matt Corral, round three pick ninety four, but. 
Uh, I, I'm excited to see Matt Corral in camp versus Sam Darnold. And as much as the team might say that they uh, want to roll with Sam Darnold, I think it's right for them to have concerns. And I think it's right for them to take a stab at a discounted price on, on Matt Corral um, in various, in other iterations of the NFL. Maybe, maybe Matt Corral is a first round pick where the quarterbacks are a little bit more buzzy. Um, they were able to get him on a, on a really nice deal here. Uh, and like you said, if he hits, he represents such a major value to the franchise. I know the hit rate for these round three quarterbacks is very low, but I still like that they addressed it as opposed to just kind of putting their head in the sand and saying, we're good with Sam Darnold. Yeah. I wish they would have just traded up the eight spots and got Malik Willis, but it just seems like maybe yeah. they didn't like, like Malik Willis enough. And uh, Matt Corral, I think went a little bit cheaper than he would have been expected. There were some reports of him, uh, teams digging him because I guess he had battles with alcoholism or depression or whatever. And I don't know, like, but if you're going to get a discount, the talent levels there and he's going to be an RPO offense and he's an R a guy who knows the RPOs, uh, Nick bird there given a, a positive take about the Panthers fans and their reaction to Matt Corral. Uh, you know, certainly a, an upgrade potentially, and, and maybe it also pushes Sam Darnold to get a little better. Like there's a lot of ways they could win with this one. So I'm not going to begrudge it too much. Um, last, okay. So back to me, I think, and we're in round seven, right? So we got about three picks left. Yeah. Um, I will take, I'm going to go to the Dallas Cowboys and I don't yeah. love the picks they made, uh, but I do think going Jalen's Herbert, going go, uh, Holbert, going Jake Ferguson, uh, two guys who are going to be competent pass catchers in an offense where you probably just need to be a guy on the field uh, and, you know, have Dak Prescott targeting you as attention goes CeeDee Lamb's way, now goes Dalton Schultz's way a little bit more. But I feel like, the, you know, the issue with me with Tolbert is I don't think he's an elite talent. Like, I don't think he's a guy that's going to supplant Michael Gallup, even maybe even not supplant James Washington, but he's going to be out there a good amount, Pete, and I feel like, Fantasy value wise, like Tolbert's probably just going to rise to the tide, and maybe Ferguson does too. Even though you know you got to expect that everything for the most part is going to go in Ceedee Lamb and also Dalton Schultz's way. Yeah, um, I was reading some stuff about Jalen Tolbert and got pretty excited for him. And I do think he he feels like he could be kind of that Chase Claypool type pick, right? Where he doesn't check every single box, but he goes to a team that wants to pass that has a, a good quarterback. Of course, when Claypool went as a rookie, Big Ben had a little bit more left in the tank. And I could certainly see finishing the season really strong. There is room for him to also get off to a fast start if Michael Gallup isn't uh, 100% for the start of the season, which it sounds like is in question. So yeah, I think always taking stabs, you know, in his worst case scenario is what? Like Josh Palmer last year, where you get opportunities on, on a good offense. So yeah, I think Tolbert's really interesting. Yep. So, all right. Same page there. And I think I get one more pick here, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go. Okay. So this is one Pete, you might disagree. And a lot of Seahawks fans out there might also disagree, but I'm gonna go to the NFC West, take the Seattle Seahawks next because a, so one thing that I really like, and we always talk about this in this show, the rebrand Kenneth Walker, the third now going by Ken Walker, which sounds powerful. That sounds like a back that would have been fantastic in the eighties would have been a superstar in the first version of tech mobile, but also what, the part of the reason I'm taking the Seahawks here is a, I think Kenneth Walker's good. B the fact that he didn't take a QV speaks to my theory. Another thing that I think I'm going to be proven right on that. They just wanted drew lock and they want to see what drew lock has. And I think if you're pushing the chips in the middle and letting drew lock, see if he could soar, if he's going to thud onto the ground, I think this is a good spot for the Seahawks. And you know, if he sucks, he come back to the table next year, draft a QB, but if you don't love any of the QBs, Pete, I don't think they should force it. And they clearly didn't. And they love drew lock as I do. Yeah, I think 
I'm going to give you credit and say, I don't think the Seahawks should have fell this far uh, in this draft. Uh, I know the only other person who could have scooped them up is the person saying that, which seems weird, but the, uh, I think we, myself included, got caught up in how awful of a pick this was from a team building perspective, uh, clearly needed to address the quarterback running back, literally the, the least important thing on your team. You have Rashad Penny who looked awesome down the stretch last year very replaceable position, no need to waste draft capital on that. That aside, Kenneth Walker is the consensus number two running back in the class. Seattle wants to run the ball. They're going to need to run the ball with Drew Locke at quarterback, and Kenneth Walker will probably be fairly relevant for fantasy. So I think as it pertains to this draft, um, just by necessity of where he went in round two and how uh, important running back is uh, for fantasy when you do get that lead back role, uh, he probably should have gone higher. Yeah, look, I, I would agree. And look, I think Walker, you know, uh, I agree with your point about Rashad Penny being good enough that he probably shouldn't have taken another running back. But Walker was explosive. Like Walker can get into space, can catch some balls too. I think it's an interesting one-two punch. And, you know, Chris Carson, it, maybe he's not coming back. I think maybe that makes it a little more palatable. But overall, the, the Drew Locke, I repeat, that one draft we had with the Seahawks stack, I feel like it's going to be one that's live for us at the end of whatever tournament that was. And I'm, I'm curious to see how it does because it's really entirely contingent on Drew being replacement level and and a little bit more yeah um the the drew lock thing it is it is crazy that he emerged from free agency in the draft just without any competition uh mm -hmm. truly truly insane um all right we are we're really starting to dig the bottom of the barrel here i'm gonna do i do have a couple though that i like so for my pick here i am going to do the Tampa Bay Bucks, um, mainly because of Rashad White. Um, you know, there were rumors initially that Rashad White might slip to the fifth, sixth round, might not even get drafted. Um, he goes here in round three. And my kind of thesis for this is, is one, Rashad White was one of the better pass catching backs in the league. I know a lot of the draft Nick guys really liked him as a prospect. And the Bucks have signaled to us that they don't really want to have to use Leonard Fournette as their full bell cow. I know that they've been forced to, but you can tell by signing Gio Bernard. You know, they had they had, had Keyshawn Vaughn, they had Rojo, and they they want a compliment to him. And so the fact that Rashad White could come in and immediately have touches, immediately have a role, and then also knowing that he has the kind of the capability to be a three-down back, to me, he looks like what could be a pure one-for-one -one handcuff for Leonard Fournette if he went down or just have a standalone roll out the gate and probably just be more explosive than Fournette. Because what Fournette is now is just a competent player who can do all the things that you ask of a running back, but isn't really adding much beyond that. And so I think Rashad White is is a legit threat to, to be a fantasy difference maker this year if he were ever to get a crack in this offense. And we even saw it in the playoffs, like the game that Keyshawn Vaughn got to start when Leonard Fournette was out, he didn't even play that well, and he still racked up fantasy points. So the opportunity in this offense is great, and whether through performance or injury or whatever, I think Rashad White is, is firmly in the mix. 
Yeah, Rashad White, I know, killed USC a couple points of the season. I, mean, I think actually the last couple seasons, but um, definitely looks like a, qual- a quality player who could, you know, Fournette got hurt. I think could even do some of that bell cow style work too. Um, and as Pete mentioned, a good pass catcher. So I'm, I'm supportive of that. It would be nice to have Gio Bernard out of the way to give him the chance to maybe get the life that Rojo never got for himself. Uh, but I think Rashad White, a solid pick. And I wouldn't sleep on Kate Otten either. Like if Gronk doesn't come back, he actually kind of has some Gronk-like qualities based on uh, the limited stuff I was seeing on him. And, you know, could be an interesting tight end. Uh, could, Co-Keefe, probably not so much, Pete, though. What what a name on that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they sure they sure love their uh their tight ends. I guess OJ Howard got shipped out. Um and yeah, Gronk and and Brait, but boy, do they love their uh their tight ends. I can just picture the video right now with Cade, KO, Gronk, and Brait uh doing shots at, you know, <laughs> Club Eleven or whatever. Um that's Miami, I guess. Uh all right, I have one more pick here and man this is getting gross um but let's let's do this so the thesis with the 49ers basically every year is similar to what it used to be with the patriots where you just take their cheapest running back and we've seen how impactful those running backs can be when they hit we've saw it in previous years with Mostert. then it was jeff wilson jr we've even had jamichael hasty have some big games then of course eli mitchell comes out of the woodwork and now all of a sudden they do it again in the third round they draft uh Tyrion davis price and i legit know nothing about him other than the fact that kyle shanahan loves giving these guys shots and when they do get a chance at opportunity in the offense it's such a you know well-oiled running machine that they are generally fantasy playmakers. So uh, Mostert's obviously gone. Eli Mitchell, the incumbent, Wilson coming back. But this honestly isn't that scary of a depth chart to climb. And again, he shouldn't be drafted in the you know top hundred of picks or anything like that. But he is a guy I want to be sprinkling in in drafts, just knowing how this offense operates. It wouldn't see, t- uh, be the first time we saw Tyrion rise through the ranks and win over the hearts of people in God an unexpected way. Uh, no, I'm with you. Like, I, it's odd that they would waste, waste his draft capital on a running back. Like, I guess you lost most there, and that's the thing. And they just maybe don't want to commit to uh, Eli Williams as being a, a full bell cow back like they had to last year. But a solid pick. And Danny Gray, I think another guy who might be listed as a running back here, but is more of a wide receiver slot guy. Uh, Methodology saying just went down a Sam Howell rabbit hole. Mom likes to party and seems like his sister wants to be an Instagram influencer likable family for sure. Uh, do those things sound likable to you, Pete? This is, this is you and mathology. We need to, we need to have an, a regular segment called spags and mathology, you know, horn dog out. And I can just go and get a new seltzer or something while you guys talk. I was going to say, it definitely does sound like a stepsister caught in a dryer kind of scene for, for both <laughs> the, the Howell family and for all the people online. But either way, uh, we'll be keeping a close eye on Sam Howell moving forward. Very enjoyable. Um, so wait, I think you might have one more pick left. I think I get two and then you get one more. I just did bucks and niners back to back. Right. But I think doesn't, don't you end at 10? Like, doesn't that the way it goes? I'm running out of picks. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So my two that I'm going to take here, um, yeah, it is getting a little thin. I will take the Raiders. Uh, Zamir White, I think, seems like a Josh Jacobs replacement. So the AFC West, we've talked a lot about. It's kind of betting on the division overall and just there being a lot of shootouts. This is the most competent QB play league. I know some props came out this week. I think I saw Sam Hoffman tweeting about it, but uh, 1,300 passing or 1,300 receiving yards projected for Devontae Adams. That also screams like, hey, he's going to be part of a, a high-octane offense. If they don't keep Josh Jacobs, you could definitely see Zahir White get a meaningful or Zamir White get a meaningful amount of work here in a way that like he can pay off. Like he looks like a monster on film. A guy that I think, you know, you have the other running back there, Brenton Brown, more of a committee running back in his career. But Zahir White, just one of those guys that 
Um, I keep saying Zaheer. Zamir White is a guy that overall, like just watching the film, like he jumps off when you see him, an explosive player. And somebody that I've seen draft people talk about, like maybe he should have been mentioned more. Maybe the Raiders are onto something, Pete, but we know they love to run the ball. Josh McDaniels also historically loves to run the ball. Um, he could step in and be very useful. Yeah, I think the only thing that um, makes him less interesting to me compared to say like someone like Rashad White, who I think could have the potential to be a one-for-one bell cow handcuff, is if Josh Jacobs gets hurt, Sure, Zamir White probably comes in and gets the early down carries, but Kenyon Drake or whoever is probably still going to serve as the pass catching role. So I, I think you're kind of having to hit a, a multi-leg parlay there with him. And I think, you know, you could mention maybe a guy like Isaiah Spiller as well, just some guys who I think have a clear path to a bunch of touches. But yeah, at this point in this godforsaken NFL draft draft. I'm not going to quibble anymore. Oh, we went from such enthusiasm for the NFL draft drafts and loathing it in such record time. Yes, please do your final pick. My last Take pick the Bears. Here. I just wanted to make sure that the Bears are last. Uh, JJ Zacharyson really shitting on the Bears at a pro level recently. I don't know if you've been following some of his tweets, but not I've a been following Jones fan. I've, the, the tweets of JJ that I've been following are the ones where he posts screenshots of people insulting him or his model or his ranks. And then he just replies back. You have a beautiful family or I love the <laughs> NFT in your profile picture. Tried to kill him with kindness. I, my favorite one was someone yesterday got really worked up and said, or do you just want to post this shit for clickbait? And I just love the beautiful irony of someone calling out clickbait by responding passionately to the post. <laughs> And also on a website where like, like clickbait isn't really a thing on Twitter. Like you're not paying off to anything at that yeah. point. So this you know, you got to check job. your impressions. <laughs> That's true. The impressions do get the spike. All right. So I'm torn between two teams for my last pick. I think the Denver Broncos adding Greg Dulcich is actually very interesting. and could be uh, a tough one for Albert O heavily invested people so far, uh, but I'm actually going to go to the Buffalo bills, adding James cook, adding Khalil Shakir, two guys who can actually get meaningful touches. James cook wouldn't be shocking to see him be the RB one heading into 2023. Um, obviously this year, Devin Singletary is still there. Zach Moss, presumably still there, uh, but Singletary's deals coming up. Zach Moss, I think it wouldn't be a shocker to see him be cut some point in the offseason or or moved or whatever the case may be but cook dalvin cook's younger brother is a, a beast pete a guy who can catch the ball a guy who has uh not quite the same pedigree dalvin cook but certainly some similarities when you watch him and shakir too just like a solid slot guy that uh maybe if manny sanders doesn't make it out of camp he gets some more snaps it's maybe hard to see him getting you know a bunch of work with gabe davis making that jump at the end of the year but i like what they did and like the rich get richer even though they probably don't really need either guy yeah, I, I, I'm intrigued by James Cook, another guy who probably should have gone earlier in this draft because my guess is when you do the projections and when we see the projections, none of these guys will project very well because people are going to, you know, toss some to Singletary, toss some to Moss, and then you have Cook. But this is a super high-powered offense, and James Cook might just be better, probably is better than both of these guys. I do think Devin Singletary's good, but... I think there's a potential James Cook's better. And if he's able to ascend to that top role in the offense, I think it's unlikely that he they, they have a bell cow in this offense. But I think there's some massive upside here. I'll be really curious to see where his ADP settles. But these are the exact kind of guys we want to be taking shots on in drafts, um, solid profile pedigree, and then go to an offense that's very explosive and efficient and is going to score a ton of touchdowns. So yeah, I think uh, I think the Bills are a good pick here. Yeah, Khalil Shakir definitely has some Sky Moore vibes. I think that's part of why I, I maybe ding Sky Moore a little bit more is there are a lot of guys who are like that. And Cook's got to be the best pass catching back week one was the question from FF Doom. 
you, you would think so, right, Pete? Like, I feel like they took him purposefully and maybe took him and didn't take Brees Hall because they just felt a little more confident in how Cook could work in their offense. Yeah, because I think you could you could say maybe Brees Hall loses some pass catching work to Michael Carter out of the gate. I'm guessing we see a similar trajectory for Brees Hall as we did for Jonathan Taylor, right? Where he's working early down, um, you know, early in the season. Then towards the end of the season, we start to see it a little bit more. They're like, this guy's just too good to not be giving him the ball in more situations. So I, I could see that kind of trajectory for him. And then, yeah, I mean, Kenneth Walker, I mean, Seattle, at least last year with Russ Wilson, didn't throw to the running back position a ton. Uh, I don't know how much you want to count on Drew Locke checking it down either. So yeah, I think it's wide open for best pass catching back in this offense. I would say the other guy right up there would probably be Rashad White with him. Yep, I'm, I'm with you. I think some interesting moves here. And of course, if you got any chime down in the comments, leave, uh, obviously we've been following the chat all show long, but we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. And then Pete, is there anybody at all that, any team that we didn't talk about that like there was no shot of you drafting? I feel like the Bears were the one that, I don't know how you make any case at all for them. And I, I think that's probably the only one that you could say that for. Yeah, the Bears. Uh, well, I, there's one more. So yeah, the, the Bears, they they took one wide receiver who turns uh, 25 in about, I think in nine days, I looked it up on on May 11th, Vilas Jones turns 25 years old, which is just absurd. And it's, it's unfortunate. I know some, I bet, I guess people liked a lot of their defensive picks and thought they were getting good value on some of their picks, but this organization is like in a different, on a different wavelength than Justin Fields and Justin Fields trajectory. And I just feel like he's caught in this weird limbo thing and he's not set up to succeed uh, this year, which is, which is a bummer. And then the other one, like just pure out of like sadness, I think you have to go to the Jags. I mean, the mm. Jags added uh, Snoop Connor was their only, their only uh, addition there. And Pat Corain talked about this a lot when the Christian Kirk move happened. And his take was getting Christian Kirk, like, isn't bad dot, dot, dot in a vacuum, but it is very bad if they think they're set at wide receiver and then don't take advantage of this loaded draft class. And that ended up, um, certainly be the case. I can't even remember what picks they had or what ones they gave up, but, um, to not add more weaponry. Like I think they should have been doing what the jets were doing and the lions were doing. And basically let's get is much information about Trevor Lawrence this year. We're out from Urban Meyer. Let's surround him with talent and see what we truly have in him. Whereas now, I feel like if we run this season out with the wide receivers they currently have, I think there's legitimate still uncertainty on what Trevor Lawrence is. And, and from a team-building perspective, I think that's bad. Same with the Bears. Both these teams that they really need more information on these quarterbacks, and they haven't put them in a position to succeed. Yeah, just because you pay Christian Kirk like a number one doesn't mean that he actually is going to be that number one. So, yeah, I think that's a fair point. And actually, one team that we didn't mention at all, the Bengals, I don't think, took a single offensive player. So that's one that automatically has to be eliminated as well for this process. But uh, I guess kudos to them for knowing, like, they got every position they need. Like, maybe they could have taken a tight end, but I don't even know what we did graphically. Oh, they just put... <laughs> so we just put the... <laughs> I put on the sheet to, to give to our production team. I was like, a lot of defensive players... <laughs> I don't know what to do. For well, that. they they have what most teams are trying to emulate, right? Like you have a, a back that can play all three downs. You have a superstar wide receiver, a, a superstar second wide receiver, and then like a perfect stylistic fit third wide receiver in Tyler Boyd. I guess you could say they could maybe use a, a slight upgrade at tight end. But I mean, they have the build that everyone's trying to now, you know, replicate for their offensive firepower. 
Yeah. So either way, that is uh, that sums it up pretty well for us. Pete, any final words for you? Of course, we're going to be back on Friday doing our first Best Ball Mania draft as a duo on this show. So come join us then at 2.30 on Friday to get into those streets. But Pete, anything for you coming up? Uh, no. Um, tomorrow, Club Top Shot, Wednesday, Ship Chasing. Um, yeah, just the usual, the usual stuff. I'm excited to, uh, to start drafting more and I'm sure we'll even have some decent ADP data by Friday, you know, relative to now it's the wild, wild West. Some of the rookies don't have ADP, uh, even on there. So we'll probably get that refresh in a couple days and, and get to kind of really start talking through it. So I'll be looking forward to that draft on Friday on your account. <laughs> oh, on my account, I might, I might break out my account for a draft in between because I wanted to do one today, but the timing didn't work before the show. Uh, but you should be playing over on Underdog with us. Use that promo code SPLASH, double your deposit up to $100. Get to be doing a lot of best ball drafts on here. So do what we're doing, do the opposite of what we're doing. I don't know, follow your heart, but it is a lot of fun. And again, big prizes up there in Best Ball Mania 3 this year. Go check out Football Outsiders as well. Uh, lots of great articles going up. The content is not going to stop because I demand more football content is what I want, both on podcasts and articles, everything out there. So, we're going to find new and exciting ways to digest football, to dig into the stuff that we know, the stuff that we don't know. Um, so that's going to be going on at Football Outsiders as well as on this show. Follow at Peter Overs at follow at Chris Fags and follow at Splash Play Pod. Pete, another big Instagram reel for us on Friday. We're crushing on Instagram reels for an audience that probably doesn't even know anything else about this show. Yeah, we're like David Hasselhoff, big in Germany. You know, Splash Play is biggest on reels, and uh, that's just how it is. Yeah, so shout out to all the Reels fans out there. We'll catch you on Instagram Reels and then repost it on TikTok with the Instagram Reels video because daddy's only got so much time in life to, to do these things. Uh, any final words, Peter? Are we done? Uh, yeah, final plug. I, I should be dropping that uh, best ball strategy video tomorrow on my other channel. So if you got the best ball bug, we'll have some good information over there. All right, see you guys on Friday, 2.30. Enjoy your weeks. Bye. Bye.